You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Yeah, have a good week, friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey friends, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Um, it's, uh, it's Ben, it's Ben and Ben, it's the Ben and Ben show this morning. Yes, it is. At least for this intro. Uh, we're excited to bring you this interview. Um, we're in the midst of our uh, spiritual formation series, a little mini series on our podcast, um, talking about some of the dynamics of spiritual formation. Um, it's uh, that's kind of I, I'm realizing Ben that um, spiritual formation was kind of my gateway drug, so to speak, <laughs> into like everything, like everything I feel like I'm doing now, like uh, like kingdom kind of centered ministry, the missional church, like contemplative, contemplative stuff, yeah, like all of all yeah. this stuff. It, it all started for me with uh, reading Dallas Willard and sort of uh, getting my bell rung a little bit about like, oh, like this is about formation. And um, this is this is, you know, this is something that I I want to give my life to. Um, so anyway. I'm just realizing that as we go through this series, that it, that's it's been a it was my gateway drug into all things, uh, all things spiritual I'm, formation, all things yeah that I'm doing now. So. It opened up the way to gravity leadership. Dallas Willard, that always Willard. comes back to Dallas Willard for you. It does, buddy. yeah. It always me, comes back to DW. DW, good old DW. He's rattling around in my brain uh, and will be for a long time. I think yeah. so. Thank God for yeah. him. We need yeah. more of them. Lord, give us another Dallas Willard. Yeah, bring yes. us bring us to the next one. Yes. Yeah. So this, this series has been really good, Ben. I, I, I wasn't on any of the mm-hmm. interviews in this whole series, but I've been listening. Uh, I yeah. listen to the podcast, uh, pr- <laughs> particularly when I'm not on it. I'm not uh, just a creator of the podcast. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, but it's been really good. And I think the timing of it has been and really good. And, and yeah. today's episode, that I think the timing of it is, is actually really helpful for us uh, yeah. in this season. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, you know, KJ um, talks a bit about her experience with um, chronic pain and kind of having a um, uh, a disease that kind of gives her this unpredictable uh, set of symptoms that um, she can't really do anything about. 
Um, and she's written a, a wonderful book um, about it that we talk about in this interview uh, where, and I, I think it's helpful for us because, um, you know, many of us have not had that kind of experience, but I think this pandemic is giving us that kind of experience where we're encountering this suffering that we really can't do much about, you know, like all, all of what we're experiencing, like it's, it's so unknown. Um, and all the, you know, even just the loneliness of not being able to see people in the ways that we normally have been able to see them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a difficult uh, season. I think a lot of us who've never yeah. experienced, um, chronic pain or chronic suffering like that are experiencing something like it. Yeah. Something similar to it and, mm -hmm. and wanting out right away. Like we just want this yeah. to be over immediately. Right. Right. And we yeah. sort of, yeah, there's all the kind of the bargaining and the deals we make, you know, <laughs> like in our heads about it. Um, uh, whether that's, you know, I've talked with a lot of leaders who were like, I just told myself it would be over by April. Yeah. A lot of Stockdale paradox, right? Yeah. We'll be done by Christmas. Yeah. It'll be, we'll be out by then. And, um, but it doesn't help, you know? And so, so anyway, this is a, uh, this is a great interview. We're excited to bring it to you. I don't think there's anything to announce, uh, at this point, uh, except maybe, um, you know, falls, falls coming up here. Yeah. School's starting. Um, and we are, um, we are booking workshops for the fall. Um, uh, that is kind of <laughs> the reason, tentatively, the reason, right? Yes, we are booking tentatively <laughs> just because it's hard to know what the, what the pandemic is going to do. Um, and so, but I, I just got off the phone with somebody who is wanting to book uh, a workshop for people in his area. But uh, he was saying, I think we're going to do an online workshop. Yeah. This, the, per the place where this person is, is just like, we're, I don't think anybody's going to feel confident. Cases are kind of skyrocketing in our area. So uh, we're going to do an online uh, workshop. And so that, that's a real possibility. I think people are getting used to meeting each other online and being present to each other online, even though it is fatiguing. Um, there's a, there's a sense in which you sort of get used to it. And we found that, you know, with, um, yeah. our cohorts, we've been training people online for five years and, um, I, I know initially a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know if I can connect with people online. And I was realizing, I was like, oh, you know what? You, you learn to, and you get yeah. used to it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think some of that is beginning to happen for people and it, it might be, it, you know, booking an online workshop for your church might be a, a great way to kind of host a training event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And online workshops are cheaper too, right? I mean, I think that's yeah, a, that's, the we benefit won't, we of won't, it. It's, we, we don't, don't charge as much for those. We don't yeah. charge as much and we don't travel. So it right. makes it a little easier on us. I've got a couple events that I'm uh, scheduled to do in the fall and they're really wrestling with, do we do this in person or do we want to move yeah, it to yeah. more of an online format? I think it yeah. is, it is an interesting experiment to try out yeah, and yeah. an opportunity to get some of the gravity leadership material in the water and, and have some yeah. conversations with folks in your church and totally uh, a way to gather some people that might mm -hmm. be helpful during this season. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And we are willing to discern that with you too. Just, you know, we are willing to travel if it seems good uh, and safe, you know, to us and to you and, and to the Holy spirit, <laughs> like, uh, to our wives to kind of entertain those, yeah, those options as well. Um, and maybe just, you know, take it online as a last minute option, uh, at the end, at the end of the day. So anyway, check it out. We do one on parenting. We do one called church in the wild about being the church, uh, in post Christendom. We could say a lot, of, a lot more about that. Um, we won't today, but, um, I think the pandemic has raised a lot of the post Christ, post-Christian stuff to the surface. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people's yeah. 
tenuous hold on the church has has begun to sever um if they just did it because of a you know cultural reason this is a a very convenient way to just say you know what forget forget it so and then uh, we do another one on um the enneagram so boot camps too boot camps, we do boot we camps. Do boot camps online also yeah. yeah so we'll put links in the show notes to all that stuff yeah i think that's it friends enjoy this interview with kj ramsey Okay, friends, welcome to uh, the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our guest today is KJ Ramsey. KJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you. KJ, for our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us who you are, uh, what you get up to in a day. Yeah, uh, well, I am a therapist and an author. I, in any given day, do a matter of things from seeing clients to writing small Instagram posts to get under people's skin (laughs) to uh, going outside and trying to enjoy the beauty in my neighborhood. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Great. It's a little bit. Yeah. I uh, I love that. Thank you uh, for doing that. We're going to get to uh, the book that you've written here um, in just a moment, but I'm wondering what kinds of Instagram posts you write to get under people's skins. What can you give us an example? This is kind of a hobby of, especially Matt's uh, recently. Yeah, not, in, not Instagram, but Facebook. But what uh, what do you mean by that? What do you write that gets under people's skin? Well, you know, as we're recording this, we're in the month of June, and yep. so a lot of what I've been writing is trying to get people to see that sin is not just an individual Mm. issue, but a Mm -hmm. systemic sweeping brokenness that has touched every part of our existence. And, Mm. uh, you know, recently I, I received a review on my book that was like, you don't take sin seriously. And, and really what I read that as uh, was you don't, take sin to be just about an individual mm. problem that needs to be fixed. It's like, hmm. I, I find I'm finding a lot of people are very uncomfortable with the idea that there is a sweeping systemic brokenness that touches yes. everything. And that that larger view of sin actually might be a starting place for a lot of grace and hmm. repentance and healing. So that's one place that I'm trying to get under people's skin. And I tend yeah. to, ch- I, I don't know why it doesn't, the things I say don't tend to um, frustrate people quite as much as I expect for some reason, but it's just interesting. <laughs> it's interesting being on this side and sometimes it does, but often it doesn't, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is fascinating. I mean, that's, um, I'm fascinated that somebody could read your book and think that you don't take sin seriously. That is I know, right? I because yeah, I, right. I talk about sin a lot in the yeah, book. Yeah, you do. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, that that's maybe we'll come back around to that. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but the book is that we want to talk about today is called "This Too Shall Last: Finding Grace hmm. When Suffering Lingers." So uh, obviously, a play on "This Too Shall Pass," mm-hmm. uh, which is a good word of hope, but um, maybe oftentimes is used as a uh, uh, false hope 
that um, eventually everything's going to be okay if you just pray hard enough or, you know, that, that kind of a thing. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into this. This is a great book, KJ. I'm really glad that our mutual friend Chuck DeGroat connected us. Mm. Uh, Chuck's been on the podcast a couple times. Yes. Um, maybe we could start here. You, you introduce uh, yourself uh, as a recovering idealist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'd love to hear you unpack that a little bit, maybe share some of your story, um, yeah, of how you came to see yourself as a recovering idealist and what you mean by that. Yeah. So I tend to see the world through the lens of what it could be and mm. what is missing. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, I resonate so, with that. Yeah. Yeah. In Enneagram language, I'm a four. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You know, it took a long time to to realize that, but over the course of my adulthood, um, particularly, I got sick when with this disease that I write about a lot in the book, um, ankylosing mm-hmm. spondylitis. I got sick at twenty, okay. and getting sick pushed me into this experience of life is not ideal, and no matter yeah. <laughs> what I, no matter what I do about it, I'm going to be met with the the chasm between what I want and what I long for and what mm. I have and what I experience. And so hmm. I say I'm a recovering idealist because there's this part of me that always is longing for wholeness that mm. I believe is a beautiful yeah. reflection of who God is. And it's a yes. desire planted in my soul that I think God has to light up the the world and the spheres of influence around me. Yeah. Uh, but it also is something that can keep me judgmental and mm. um, it can, it can keep me focused on the future or the mm. past instead of being mm-hmm. willing to be where I am because often where I am is not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. So you find yourself, the idealism then is knowing, so there's a good part about it in that, in the sense that you know that there is something better than what is mm-hmm. right. There's this hope that propels us into the future that allows us to, you know, live in, in the midst of unideal circumstances. Otherwise, you know, life would have no meaning. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a goodness to that, but, um, but I hear you saying that um, there was a tendency for you to not ever want to be in a situation that was less than ideal because of that. And so there was this temptation to look to the future to say, man, if we can just do something about this, then we can get to this better place. Or to look to the past to say, well, wasn't it great when I was a teenager and I wasn't sick? Or, yeah, you know, something that, like that. that. The, yeah. the, the state of longing itself can mm-hmm. keep us from being present to our actual lives. And so uh, it's been a ongoing process of encountering my constant state of longing and letting it prompt me to come back to the present and experience the peace of God here and now. Because even in the midst of suffering, right? Because if I'm always in a state of longing, Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss that Christ is with me now. Mm. Yeah, KJ, what you're describing, I think, is common to our human experience, right? So being learning contentment without becoming complacent Mm -hmm. or or learning to be present without also like quelling hope or longing or desire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what you're naming, I think is 
you learn it differently than I learn it, but it's what it means to a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's a big part of your story. You tell the story in the book, um, uh, quite a bit, which is uh, really helpful. So suffering isn't an academic pursuit for you. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what what subject shall I write about? No, is you are sort of thrust into Uh, this world, um, through this, um, disease that you were diagnosed with when you were 20. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to know, I mean, you're, you're, the subtitle of your book is finding grace when suffering lingers. And we're, we're in this series on formation, kind of a little mini series on our podcast. And a lot of times, uh, spiritual formation is oftentimes framed as something that you do, mm-hmm. right? It's something that I can practice and it, it is right. I, I'm thinking of, um, uh, Dallas Willard, I think in the divine conspiracy talked about the golden triangle of spiritual formation or uh, spiritual transformation or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember the three elements of the triangle for him were the work of the Holy Spirit, obviously, is is present, has to be, God has to do this work in us. We're not pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then there are intentional practices that we engage in, and those are, you know, fasting and prayer and solitude and silence and sort of the, the ancient practices that the church has always said, these are locations where you can meet God. Mm -hmm. But then the third element of his triangle was uh, the circumstances of our life, of our actual life. And we have to learn how to meet God in those circumstances, or else we'll always be pushing away our encounter to some ideal time in the future, or some other, like when things are different, there'll, there'll be this place where I can meet with God. And I thought about that as I was reading your book, because you know, oftentimes we think of it as something I do. My spiritual formation is something that I do. But your book is basically about what to do when you can't do anything <laughs> that you would want to do. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, it's, when your circumstances bring suffering, like what do you do to find grace in the midst of that? And I'm, I'm struck by the fact that suffering doesn't automatically bring grace into our lives. Mm-mm. And no. I'm curious about what you've learned. I mean, some people become intensely bitter when suffering, you know, encounters them. Um, So it's in one sense, it's a dangerous thing to encounter. Um, Yeah. But what have you discovered about finding grace in the midst of suffering? What have you needed to do in order to avoid the the pitfall of bitterness or, you know, whatever else might come uh, when you're experiencing suffering like you have? Yeah. Well, I appreciate that we just talked about me being a recovering idealist and how <laughs> we we tend to get oddly stuck forecasting into the future or yeah. Yeah. trying to make sense of the past because this is really the the place that we have to go with suffering mm-hmm. is this willingness to be <clears throat> in the present. And I think as Christians, we tend to avoid the present through our theological explanations about what God might be trying to teach us or how we could grow from this experience. Actually, that is just an escape from the Mm. pain of where we are. Mm. And the place that I have found grace over and over again, presently, not just 10 years ago or 11 years ago when I first got sick, but over and over again, is when I am willing to set aside what, what thing do I need to learn 
or what what is the purpose of this pain that I have? And I can actually attend to my current situation, my current pain, as though I am loved by God and united to Christ already. And mm. therefore, Christ is present by his spirit here. Mm. Therefore, my pain and any given day is a place to bear witness to Jesus and his presence. And mm. I I find that we have to be willing to set aside the spiritual, um, even good desire to understand our suffering yeah. Yeah. in order to even physiologically be able to attend to our lives with that kind of attention. Wow, yeah. So even the seeking for a purpose in my pain is a distraction from the presence of God in my pain. It often like the, is. Yeah, the 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 finding God's presence is different from talking about what I'm learning or finding some sort of purpose or why is this happening to me mm-hmm. or even making efforts to to correct it, which that's a good thing as well, right? I mean, it's it's good to yeah, you know, we don't attempt to be. You know, I'm yeah, I'm we, on medications, right? Like <laughs> right. I don't. I'm yeah. not just accepting that <laughs> yeah. I have this degenerative degenerative disease, and yeah. it's like I'm going to let it take its course, and I'm going to die mm. earlier than I need to. No, yeah. I'm on aggressive treatments because it matters. God does not have for us to look at suffering and not attend to it, and yeah. and try to bring comfort and mm-hmm. and you know improve our lives. Yeah. Yes. So that is not entirely a bad thing to seek relief. Right, right. But, I mean, this, this is why we go to doctors. We, you know, healing is good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But what it often becomes it often becomes a an escape hatch from yeah. being where we are yes. and and finding that God really is here. Yeah. So, I, KJ, that 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 provokes a question for me. Um. I mean, all suffering is relative, right? So there's no way of saying like, hey, somebody just lost their mom tragically and they have it worse than your mm-hmm. your disease or your disease is better than somebody else's, you know, whatever. So suffering is relative. We all experience it how we experience it. Maybe it's personal right, more than relative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess then for you, like how do you hold that? How do you practice what you're talking about? Um I think we have this incessant need to know why, to try to figure things out, right? Yeah. To, to get yeah. to the bottom of things, and and if we can get if we can get our heads around it, then everything will be okay. And what you're saying is maybe just hit pause on getting your head around it. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Yeah, well, very practically, I remember my body. So I think we tend to get stuck in the place of explanation because we are the inheritors of a vast uh, dichotomy of devaluing our bodies and overvaluing our minds. Hmm. And so Hmm. by thinking that we need to understand and that understanding is where we will come to experience comfort. We tend to, we have, we have as Christians spent 
most of us, most of our lives, not paying attention to our physicality. And if anything, dis- not just not paying attention, but dismissing it mm-hmm. and calling yeah. and, and demonizing it yeah. as the source of our sin. Yeah. And so I think first and foremost, there, there's a lot there and there's a lot to unpack as to why our bodies actually are good and why yeah. and how our bodies are giving us constant signals to pay attention to through which we could respond to the God who loves us. What do you... Yeah, mm. I, I, are you are you referen- uh, referencing? I think I hear what you're saying, but I want to make sure I'm tracking. Are you referencing sort of the confluence we sometimes do whenever we read the flesh in Scripture mm-hmm. to think yep. about our physical body? Yeah, right. so I'm I'm referencing that, and I'm saying we have totally gotten that wrong. Yeah, and we we tend to have a spirituality that's very. Um, informed by Gnosticism, Mm -hmm. perhaps more than a whole person embrace that says Mm -hmm. God so cared about the human experience that God became one of us with a body. Mm. So there's a lot to unpack there, but to go back to your practicality of what you asked, how do you do this? So I remember my body is part of who I am and it is the first place where I can remember the physical presence of Jesus is real. Hmm. And so I shift from trying to understand my suffering, my pain, the purpose, all of it to pausing and simply breathing. I, I allow myself to stop and to, Inhale and exhale. Remember that I carry the breath of God within me because I am united to Christ. The spirit, the breath of God is in me. And that's where I start hmm. to, to get real practical. I love that. That is so practical. Matt, I think you're, uh, I think you're muted. I did mute myself because I'm clearing my throat. Yeah. And I just was saying that <laughs> I think people are getting saved right now. Like yeah. what you just said is profound. Yes. We are so used to treating suffering, pain, sadness as hurt, as something to be avoided and mm-hmm. eliminated and fixed. And what you're saying is, how about you just face it and let it be? How because you, you because you might see the face of God there. Wah! Mm. All right. Yes. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Yep. Do an altar call. I, no, I think this is. I think this is the good news of uh, affluent, insulated culture, who has forgotten what their pain and suffering is for. Mm-hmm. Mm, amen. They've forgotten what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, KJ, you, you say in your book. Here's a here's a quote. I mean, it's, the unspoken story of Western culture is that suffering is a problem we can avoid or annihilate if we work hard enough. And that just that just keeps us trapped mm. in that yeah. sort of mind world where you know the idealism, right? Rather than grounded and centered in our bodies, which is actually where we encounter the Lord, right? That's where yeah, he's present. Yeah. So we think that we're we're living by faith when we try to make sense of our suffering, mm. but really we're actually just further living in the story of self sufficiency. But the gospel is that we don't have to do that anymore. Mm. The gospel is that Christ has made himself present to us by his spirit. 
And mm. that requires surrendering that we might be able to understand the yeah. suffering that comes in our lives. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like we just, we, we need to uh, get over the unspoken, unexamined belief mm. that I'm going to encounter God once I can figure this out. Yeah. Like that's not, that, that's not Shangri-La. That's not the promised land. No, that's not, and that, that never will satiate us. Yeah. It never will. And, yeah. and also it's not a one-time thing, what you're describing of getting right. over it. It's right. the human mind, like pride is part of our problem and we are going to want to mm. understand and make sense over and over. I want, I come there again and again in my daily life. Mm-hmm. And the good news of that is that over and over again, as I surrender my di- desire to understand and I instead am willing to be where I am and who I am in this yeah. body and in this life, mm-hmm. I get to encounter Jesus again and again. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. I think of oftentimes when we're not suffering or when we're experiencing the affluence, as Matt said earlier, there's this sort of, um, I guess I think about it like C.S. Lewis, you know, talks about how we're like little kids making mud pies in a slum because we can't imagine what this invitation is to have mm-hmm. a holiday at the sea Yeah, where we, we sort of, it's like a simulation of goodness. It's like a simulation of, of a good life that we end up sort of lulling ourselves to sleep thinking, oh yeah, this is fine. <laughs> but suffering, the grace in suffering can be that we're forced into this situation where, you know what, like I need to find grace in something other than my circumstances and something other than finding an explanation for why this is happening or how this all works. And mm-hmm. it has to be, it's almost like the ultimate test of the gospel to be like, okay, if God can meet me here, then maybe <laughs> this is true, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe the gospel is true. Um, yeah. I would add something okay. to that list, Ben. Even not just answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget the first thing you said because my brain is going a million miles a minute. Just affluence where we, we numb affluence, ourselves out. Answers. Think, yeah. And then I would say like comfort. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, uh, how many times have you prayed that this chronic illness would go away, KJ? Oh my goodness. And, yeah. and have other people pray for you. And so there's mm-hmm. a way to hitch our wagon onto like the healing of this thing that's making me suffer. And if I get that, then I can know God's presence and power and pleasure and all the P words. But what <laughs> you're saying, KJ, is like there's there's actually something uh, that you can experience of God's presence and power um, in the midst of an unanswered prayer. Yeah. Absolutely. And that I actually think there is an aspect to God's presence that, you only can experience in the midst of unanswered prayers and things you can't understand. Hmm. Like the peace that passes understanding 
passes understanding. You have to be in that place where you can't understand something yeah. in order to encounter that peace. Yeah. So yeah. are we willing to go to that place? Yeah. Are we willing to be there? And if we are, we might encounter something that's stunning and yeah. changes who we are. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think of another Dallas Willard quote. I think of them often. Uh, he was really influential <laughs> for me. But uh, he, he says, that, you know, God's address is the end of your rope. When you get to the end of your rope, you're blessed because that's where God lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I oftentimes think about it to say, like, how good then for those who can't hold on? How good for those who are unable to climb? Yeah. You know, it, in, in some ways, you get there quicker when you're in a situation that you can't do anything about, you know, that they're, when they're suffering. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even, even while holding on to, I don't hear you abandoning you know, praying for healing. No. I don't hear you abandon. You're not stopping to take med. You know, stopping taking medicine. Like you're, you're seeking healing um, in any way you can find it, and also finding grace in the midst of that prayer not being answered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Maybe KJ, we can go on from there. You said you start with breathing. You remember your body, um, but I know that um, another a big part of your book uh, is talking about relationships, mm-hmm. finding grace in the midst of relationships. So this is a quote from page 73 that I really liked. Um, How we come to believe, trust, and love is a physical process. Being rooted and grounded in love requires relationships to guide our embodied relational minds to renewed faith in the God who is good. So relationships are required, not peripheral. Can you talk a little bit about how relationships uh, of love come into um, finding grace in the midst of suffering? Yeah, well, I I think it's important to start with the acknowledgement that we are all relational Mm -hmm. and that from the moment we are born, we need one another. And Mm -hmm. I bring that up first because I think just like we devalue our physicality, we overlook our relationality, and we tend to see our dependency, our need for one another as something to get past Mm -hmm. uh, when perhaps it's actually the heart of what it means to be human. And so I I just want to bring that up first because you can there has Preach. to be there has to be a willingness to reexamine our elevation of individualism and self-sufficiency as the goal of being human first and foremost if we're going to be at all willing to try to offer yes. one another grace in relationships and suffering yes i think that's so important i'm glad you mentioned that because i i think there's a shame that we all carry around and this is a part of our western inheritance right so we've got this mm. I- idolization of comfort and ease but mm-hmm. also this idolization of autonomy yes and we mm. so we carry around if i'm in a situation where i need you that, then i am bad like this, yes i've yeah. done something like this is clearly not the best situ- thing for me yeah, wow. Yeah, and the gospel again is <laughs> our need is responded to by God and need is the birthplace of grace. Mm. We have to acknowledge our our need and our dependency in order to receive this yeah. great love. Yeah. And and that gets to be expressed and played out in our everyday lives in every place that we 
experience our weakness and mm. our lack of ability to get ourselves everything that we need to survive and thrive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So relationships are a big, are a big part of this then. Um, hmm. uh, a big part of how we experience the grace is realizing we're relational creatures. It's not bad or deficient or second best even right. to need others to love us in order to... So basically, in order for us to actually experience the love of God, maybe we need a person to love us. You have to have a person to yes. love you. Yeah. So, so in order to experience God as loving and present, we really do have to see love modeled mm. to mm. us. And, and part of that means also we have to experience um, the, the risky, scary state of needing someone and and having to try to trust someone that they might mm. actually care about you and respond yeah. to your needs. Yeah. Um, that's and where we also, start. That's yeah. where faith starts. Yeah. And they also may let us down and yeah. we may be disappointed. Yeah. And you might have to navigate that. And yeah. You know, I'm reading a brain science book right now all about this. And they talk about our default mm. mental network. Um and the DMN, which doesn't just roll off the tongue, but our default mental network is what happens to your brain when you aren't actively putting it on something. So when you're not actively taking your attention or focus, externalizing it, and you let it go, where does your brain go? And mm -hmm. it talks about, uh, this book talks about how it's your uh, earliest relationships that determine whether you have a like peaceful default mental network or a, they call it a savage default Yikes. mental network. Mm -hmm. I know. I know it's pretty, <laughs> I just was like, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I'm reminded that like, um, our relationships are so important to us that mm. they shape the way our brain rests. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And really good news is that it's possible for our brains to change. So we, it's called earn secure attachment throughout our lifespan. We have the capacity to learn how to trust. So even if you like me perhaps had some really chaotic, painful early experiences um, with early, with caregivers in your family, and that makes it hard for you to just on a everyday basis, like be in a state of peace. You're maybe mm -hmm. always in a state of hypervigilance of I need to protect myself. Mm -hmm. um, it is possible to shift from self-protection as your natural state of being to trust and peace being what you experience every day. Yes. And that happens only through experiencing another person as safe and empathetic and attuned to you and your story. Hmm. Hmm. I, uh, 
Yeah, this is great. I, this, my mind is going in all kinds of different directions. I'm trying to figure out which questions to ask here. I, I want to come back to, maybe we could end the interview in just a, a moment with uh, this, a question about how to, uh, you, uh, one of your chapters is called The Sacrament of Bearing Witness. And I want to talk about how how to bear witness to somebody's pain, how to talk. So, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are Christian leaders, and they probably encounter people who are in pain. They also, you know, have their own pain. Um, but a lot of people are working with people who are in pain. Yeah. It might be really helpful to hear from you, like what yeah. some of the unhelpful things to hear are and and what, is it, what does it mean to bear witness to pain? But before that, um, I, I'd love to ask you if you have any thoughts about this. Um, you, you may not, but it's just a, a, an interesting thing to me. I think one of the most, we're, you know, we're in the midst of a global pandemic and one of the most pernicious uh, parts of this pandemic um, the most insidious things about it is that w- the it is disrupting our ability to hmm. be in relationships, yeah. right? So it's disrupting our ability to be in physical proximity to each other. You talked about we're embodied beings and relationship is a physical process. And here we are on Zoom every day yeah. trying, to, trying to imitate this physical process that, you know, and I've read some great helpful articles that talk about why it's so tiring for us. Our brains are working overtime to try to do what they normally do in person that we can't do via screens, even the best HD video screens. So um, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, like what what the pandemic, like what we would normally do in a time of global crisis like this is to be with each other, to eat with each other, to comfort one another, to hug one another. Hmm. But that's the very thing that seems to be, you know, like we we don't want to do that because that spreads a virus. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. That seems like there's a there's a tension that we're living with right now that is like anti-human. It, yeah, it absolutely is. I hope and pray that this experience of physical distance from one another is creating a new sight of how important our bodies are mm. and how important powerful our presence is with one another Mm. and so i hope that the absence of being with one another is this is where longing can be good is creating a longing for what we really were made for yeah um because absolutely i think we're i think we're tasting um just how important physical presence is by not yeah. having it. Right. Well, in some, in some ways then it's, it's a, it's a form of suffering. It is. Like we're it being is. deprived of something that we would normally take for granted and it's causing this suffering in us. And I, I think there's, there's, I, I think you stated it beautifully that there's, that's the possibility for us is to find the grace of like, oh, I didn't know how much I needed people, but I really, really do. Yes. And and this is one of one of the largest graces of suffering is that it is out it is always asking us to pay attention. Mm. And so that is my mm. prayer is that this physical absence is helping us pay attention to mm. something that has always been at the heart of being human but we have been too hurried to value. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and it's it, you know, I think it's been helpful for me to remember that just sitting in that pain, like, is is where I meet God, you know, not not in a Netflix binge or another right. glass of wine or whatever else we might use to kind of numb the pain, right? But to, but to realize, oh, there's a reason this hurts. I was made for 
relationships. There's a reason this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for me to just sit in this longing and this absence and this pain and be with the Lord in it. Right. And and I think that, you know, what you're explaining is really in a condensed season, what my experience of the last 11 years has been, because so mm. much of my suffering is being so sick that I can't leave bed or that I can't work at times. And so there is a um, often suffering in all its various forms, not just diseases like mine, but it will remove us and put us on the margins of community Mm. and relationship. And the goodness there is that on the margins, you start to see what you really need and Mm. Jesus always comes to the margins. Mm. He's always making his way to the people on the edges. And so even here in the middle of a pandemic, when we feel sidelined by this suffering, Jesus is always coming toward us. If we're willing to sit there on the sideline and feel the pain, we might see that he's sitting Mm. there too. And we can experience physically his presence even mm. here. Yes. That's great, KJ. Again, you're giving me so much to think about. I think um, I'd love to maybe wrap things up here. So when you are suffering, you're feeling this and, re- and realizing I need to believe the good news that Christ meets me in my marginalization. Mm. Towards the end of the book, you talk about the sacrament of bearing witness. And uh, you say this, suffering must be shared witnessed and heard to be experienced as the fertile soil of Christ's kingdom, the ground where God comes to find and remake us. And so I'm, I'm thinking now about when I'm encountering someone else who's suffering, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not the suffering one. I'm encountering somebody else who's suffering. And, um, you know, we're recording this right in the middle of uh, worldwide protests <laughs> over the death of George Floyd, yeah. over uh, racial uh, systemic injustice. Um, and it, it strikes me that that it, it strikes me that what I am doing or trying to do as a white person, right, who has not directly experienced this kind of suffering in marching or protesting or posting a tweet, you know, like you you talked about this at the beginning of the call, yeah. like posting your Instagram uh, stories to get under people's skins. But part of what I see you doing there is bearing witness. You're yes. bearing witness to someone else's suffering and thereby... Um, I think there's a, like you said, that's, that's the fertile ground where Christ can bring healing, um, that sort of thing. So um, I, I guess I'd love for to, to hear you say a bit more about that. As somebody who has experienced suffering, what has been helpful for others? Like what has been, what has yeah. created that fertile ground? How do you bear witness to someone's suffering instead of, man, all the mistakes we can make when we're trying mm-hmm. to help somebody feel better or listen to mm-hmm. someone's pain? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's a it's such an important question and the one of the answers <laughs> mm-hmm. uh comes back to what we've already been talking about, which is the willingness to shift from making sense of the senseless to being present to a person's pain. Mm-hmm. And so when we encounter suffering and we encounter stories that are full of loss and injustice, we come at them just like we come at our own with this desire to 
understand it. Mm. And part of that is, is our desire to control it. We don't mm. like how it feels mm. to see injustice and to see that there are human beings who are treated like less than even a dog. Um, mm. We don't like mm. that. And so we want to control the vulnerability of seeing that. And we often control the vulnerability by trying to explain it away yeah. or mm. ask yeah. God to take it away. Yeah. But what if oh, we could yeah. lay aside that that self-sufficiency, that's us trying to be the savior. What mm. if we could lay that aside and say, this person is valued infinitely by God and I could see Jesus here in mm. them. I could bear witness to them and their story and their suffering mm. and see Christ yeah. is present. Yeah. So I think it's the same shift that the sufferer themselves has to make in a willingness to be where we are mm. and to listen, to believe what we hear and not have to have an explanation for it. That's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I just want to highlight this. Like you're describing, I think, an important part of uh, not only not only tending to people who are suffering, but even more present for our culture moment, being with people whose experiences of things like the police and the law and living in America are different than maybe our own. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that's and you you describe it as bearing witness, but it's actually just seeing people. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I I I think of. Hagar, when she's sent away with Ishmael and she's basically dying in the desert and mm -hmm. sets her son aside to die. Mm -hmm. And and she, God reveals himself to her as the God who sees me, she says. Yeah. You know, you're the God who sees me. He bears witness to her suffering. Uh, and there really isn't much he does there other than just see her. Um, there's, a, there's a sense in which she's just seen and that changes her. And so I think about, yeah. right, I think about, KJ, as you're t describing this, about I hear a lot of, we don't have to go all the way down this road. I know Ben's trying to wrap this up. He's got uh, important um, online uh, multi-universe video games to play, probably. But there's a, there's a sense. No, I'm just going to post some Instagram stuff to get under people's skin. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Uh, but there's a, there's a sense in which I hear this criticism. I've heard this criticism to me of like, hey, um, you talk about the suffering that black people are in, in going through in our country. And don't you think, don't you think this just reinforces a victim mentality mm. that doesn't set them up well for success? Mm. Uh, this is a, this is something somebody said to me, um, asyn asynchronously in a written communication. And um, I, what I hear you saying, KJ, is a, is a response to that. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. That when your victimhood is denied or you're to, you're gaslighted and told your suffering and pain is is on your head, or you deserve it, or or it's not I, that bad, or it's not that bad, um, um, then uh, you can't begin to heal from your pain until somebody sees it and speaks the truth about it and bears witness to it with you. Yep. Yeah. Dismissed pain is unhealed pain. Yeah. Yeah, and so there maybe is a temptation to get stuck in your pain, you know, for your pain to swallow you or for your pain to consume you. I mean, maybe that's 
you know, that's and a, maybe, maybe and I book. think actually that that happens more because of our communities not being willing to see our pain. So uh. I, yeah, I've experienced over and over again, um, people with that anxious desire for me to not be um, so identified by my suffering. And, and I think uh. that there's maybe there's maybe some goodness in that hope for people to not get stuck in stories and be victimized mm -hmm. by them but i actually think that people get stuck in stories of suffering and get stuck seeing themselves as victims when our communities are unwilling to yeah. bear witness and name the gravity yeah. of what they are experiencing because right. we are will. the ones we're the ones that keep people stuck in their suffering Yes. All right. So, so it's actually, it's actually like, um, it's a the wrong warning. Fear. It's a warning against the thing that will keep the warning from coming true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, stop being so anxious about people getting stuck. God is the one that holds us in His hand. Do you trust Him? Do you trust? Do you trust God to care for His people? Yeah. Like, just stop being so afraid. <laughs> Yes, of what's going to happen to people yes, KG, in their I suffering. Do. Can I have my Bible now? And <laughs> yeah. Matt's, Matt's getting saved. No, KJ, that's that's so good. That's so good. That the very thing that we fear would happen if we see someone is what we're causing when we refuse to see them. Because yes. they're the only ones that they're like, no, I'm suffering. They have to reassert it, assert it, assert it again because nobody yeah. else will. Right. Nobody else will be there with them. Yeah. So it... It all comes back to trust. Yeah. Can yeah. we can we encounter one another's pain mm. with trust that even though we cannot make the pain go away, yeah. we are loved by a God who can put every part of our stories into a greater story of love that ends in joy. Mm. Can we trust that? So every time we come to see one another in suffering and injustice, we have an opportunity to trust and yeah. to to sit there not being able to fix it, yeah. but to see Christ as present and pulling yeah. us into a pattern of redemption. Amen. Yeah. We one of our axioms, we have kind of seven core axioms that really are the foundation, foundational kind of beliefs or uh, thoughts that kind of guide everything we do. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that God is so real that he meets us in reality, um, that he He doesn't want to meet us in our, our dreams and our, our idealism, uh, our regrets about the past, but he, re he meets us right, right now. He meets mm -hmm. us right here uh, in our reality. Um, and so I, I hear you saying that when we bear witness when we bear witness to those who are suffering, when it's a when it's a bad reality that we have to meet the Lord in, um, that we're actually participating in the work of redemption with the Lord. We're actually participating in Christ's kingdom just by seeing someone yes. who's suffering, just by bearing witness to it and saying, "Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. This is bad, mm -hmm. and there's a reason it hurts." And that itself is redemptive, and that itself yes. is what even rewires our brains to be able to trust that we are loved by the kind of God who is steadfast and mm. 
who sacrificed his own body for our Mm -hmm. sake. We learn how to trust that is true when we see another person in front of us saying, I see you, Mm. you matter. That's, that is how redemption happens. Yeah. It's beautiful. KJ, KJ, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, this, uh, I think half the reason I do this podcast is uh, to be able to hear words of good news and healing and life and hope from Mm. people I interview. I just, you know, it's like, it's amazing. I get to, you yeah. know, like this it's is my joy. job. This is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is awesome. KJ, you're Thank awesome. You. Thanks for thanks mm. for telling it like it is today. Thanks for yep. helping us learn yes. about this. Thank you so yes. much. This has Friends, been a joy. Yes. The book is called This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. We'll put a link in the show notes to it. Um, KJ, if people want to reach out to you um, or, uh, you know, connect with you online or something like that, how can they do that? Yeah, you can find all of my writing at kjramsey.com. And then I'm across mm-hmm. social media at KJ Ramsey Writes. KJ Ramsey. And that's R-A-M-S-E-Y, yep. as I learned yes. uh, when I accidentally uh, wrote your name wrong uh, yes. initially. So yes, kjramsey.com. Mm-hmm. Um, KJ, thanks again. Appreciate Thank you, you. Being with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.